What's up, everybody? This is Kyle Krieger, and I am one half of the team at Lighthouse Educator Development and Value as Value. And I want to welcome you to this episode of the Value as Value podcast, along with Wilkie Law. We started this podcast three years ago to help teachers become the kind of teacher their kids deserve. And we're so thrilled to be joined by you on this journey and to have you be a part of our uh, teaching community. So you're here because you want to get better. You want to be that teacher your kids deserve. You want to be that teacher your kids need. And we hope to help you become that teacher by sharing our stories and the stories of educators from around the country of how they built their craft through experience, how they continue to sharpen their skill set through reflection, and how they're leveraging their authenticity to be the change that we need to see in our kids. So we're thrilled that you're here and we're so glad you joined us. But before you do that, if you don't mind hitting the subscribe button, we'd really appreciate it and sharing this episode if you find value. If you want to find us outside of this podcast, you can do that on YouTube uh, as Value Adds Value. And as well, you can find us on Facebook as Lighthouse Educator Development or Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Value Adds Value. But for now, we hope you enjoy this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast. Folks, welcome back to Value Adds Value. And I'm totally trying to soft play this right now because I'm so pumped. <laughs> it's taken us so long. I'm here with my guy, Wilkie Law. And for the fourth time, which is three times more than anyone else has ever been on our podcast, <laughs> we've got all the way from... Manila in the Philippines, Mr. Gary Gray Jr. What up? What up? What up? What up? What up, man? Good to see, we were just super talking. excited. Good to see I you. I just I just got that reference when you said Manila, Philippines. I was like, it's the he's the thrill in Manila. Yeah. Oh, I didn't introduce you as the thrill in Manila. Oh, that was terrible. That was terrible planning on our part. You had it kind of with the man, the myth, the legend, but I mean, yeah, hey. He I was just proud that that line of like three times more than anyone else. I don't think we've ever had another repeat. Really? Maybe maybe Lindsay Petlek repeated once, but for two different reasons, also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's always fun talking. Man, and it's just like you, uh, with the content and everything. There's so much to talk about, and with the move, so. Before we get into like what's going on with you now, do you want to just uh, give our listeners a little bit of a background on how you got into the education profession and maybe just a quick timeline of how you got to where you are in Manila in the Philippines? Sure. Yeah. Like I, this is my eighth year teaching now. Um, right out of my like BED, I went to Kuwait where I taught for three years. I did second grade there. Um, after Kuwait, I went to Singapore taught in Singapore for four years and then most recently I moved to Manila in the Philippines um just growing up I loved being around kids I played basketball my whole life um, hung out with kids for camp um I did a little bit of stuff with like uh social working and um social work was like a little bit too close to home for me like um I enjoyed it but it was hard like really hard being in the house um, of some of the kids that I was working with, so I thought I thought teaching would be the best bet for me. And ever since then, been loving it, man. 
been nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. So as we've been working since the last time we talked, we've kind of, we've really spent a lot of time trying to narrow down what it is that we actually do. And, mm-hmm. and we kind of came up with um, this phrase of helping teachers become the kind of teacher their students deserve. Mm-hmm. So that's what we feel like. Maybe we don't always do it, but that's what we're striving to do. So when we say that phrase, the teacher students deserve, what comes to mind? I love that. Like, I think it's, it's every bit of like sharing, sharing the space that you have. I think sometimes as teachers, we, especially early on, I think it's hard to give up like that power um, or whatever that word is. And I think um, for me as a teacher growing, I, I, gradually started to release that and now I'm sharing that power in the classroom where kids are just taking ownership um, of their learning and how they learn and how they want to learn and I think sometimes it's difficult when you have your own agenda and sometimes when kids kids they don't care what your agenda is like they they want to do certain things they have certain interests and they come from different backgrounds and I think we should be really pulling um, from their experiences to help them learn because that's honestly how I feel all learning should be just like growing through experiences um, and learning from each other so creating a space that shares the power um, I think it's um, creating a space that is um, just best for the kids in regards to like equity um, and identity um, I think it's really just making a space that's like transferable skills that can happen in the classroom that they can easily go out in the playground and they can go out in like their own home into society and really continue to use those skills that they're being taught in the classroom um i love that you guys are i I think that's great i think it's a great way to to get teachers to think about their own practice that's a great question it's a really great question Thank you. No, you know, I think it's interesting that even combined between the three of us, we probably have this plethora of educators we know. Mm. And of that, the research says really only about 20 to 25 percent of teachers actually think about their practice. Mm -hmm. That's a scary statistic to think about, to think about their practice. I mean, I don't know if I want to go to a doctor. (laughs) <laughs> who, who doesn't spend time thinking about what he does. And I think we get in autopilot so much that it's like, this is just what we do. Mm-hmm. So you just go and do it. And how do we help teachers kind of, I know this is not on there, but how do we kind of help teachers draw from, as you said, those experiences to create that space where they, they start looking at what they're doing and how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. I think like, it's hard because like we reflecting is can be like such a powerful tool for anybody like journaling or just writing out your thoughts about the day um but because i think for a number of reasons but as a teacher we get so wrapped up in like grades or tests or standards or whatever you want to call it that we do exactly what you said like we forget about reflecting on how that lesson went how did that kid interact with your reaction to something that they did or their reaction with each other. Like we forget about all those things that are allowing kids to grow to be better human beings. Right. Um, so it's tricky, especially when teachers have deadlines or mandates for X amount of things. Right. So it gets really, really tricky. 
you know, and I had an interesting thing yesterday, um, you know, with, with the lesson I told you about with the, the evolution of communication timeline, um, my coach at my school who comes and sees me once a week, I've been doing a few project-based learning things. And he said he was concerned that I was no longer going to be, some students wouldn't see me as the content authority or the content mm -hmm. expert. And, and I didn't really like argue with him about it, but Wilkie and I have been talking a lot and I don't believe the role is of, I don't, I don't think the job is to be the content expert anymore. Like when they can get almost any piece of information, like you said, and they can find stuff that's connected. I don't think being the content expert is the job. I mean, what do you think about that statement of teachers having to be the content expert? Well, I think con the content should be coming from the kids. Like you should, at, at, for the most part, I think there's some things that kids need to be introduced to, but like, why are we not, again, going off of their interest and having that learning experience or that journey like together? Like, I think it's okay that we don't know everything. And I think part of the reason why teachers or educators can be stressed out is that we feel like we need to know everything. Um, and sometimes it's hard to admit to kids, but I, I think I agree with you. Like we don't need to know absolutely everything to be a good teacher, especially when it comes to content. Like it should be a learning progress for all of us. I think as soon as kids see that we as educators are learning and growing as well, it makes it even easier for them to do the same thing. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. You know, it's interesting that you know, we 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 we've been programmed as educators to to be the content experts. When think about it, when I know I'm dating myself, but when I was growing up, if I wanted something, I had to either go to the library or I had to grab an encyclopedia. You know, my mom ordered the big set of Encyclopedia Britannicas that that, you know, the big shelf of them, the world books that you had to pick up. So if you wanted to know something, that's the way that you had to learn it. Now kids can literally talk to their device. You know, and I yeah. use Alexa in my classroom a lot. So the kids ask me questions about things and I'll say, okay, I don't know. Hey, Alexa, da 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 And she'll give the answer and the kids are like, I think this is really where we're going as a society. So why not? go ahead and embrace it and teach kids how to use these tools as, as if I can teach a tool, a kid that talking to Alexa, they can learn how to solve this math equation or get ideas of videos that, that could come up from to teach you this lesson. Isn't that mm -hmm. better than them thinking that only, the only reason I get on online is to, is to go look at funny memes or to go to world star or, you know, or something mm -hmm. silly like that. It's like, it's teaching them to use this tool for educational purposes. And that makes them now the content expert because now they can teach me their perspective on what they're learning and not them regurgitating my perspective back to me on the learning. I 100% agree, 100% agree. You know, and it's, it's, so, it's so strange too because sometimes my fiance, you know, when I tell her the stories of my kids, she's like, and we're both in our mid thirties. Like, she's like, I never would have said some of the stuff that your kids say to you. And I'm like, well, it's just a different time. Like, like yesterday, 
we wound up, yeah, I wound up getting out three hours early because there, you know, the snow was coming last night. But our our school brought us to school for the day, and we had twenty minute classes with each of our groups, which is not enough time to get somebody into the room, <laughs> get set up, and That's then over before you have to get them out. So everybody was just like playing Kahoot games or showing videos, and a couple of my boys are like, "Why are we here?" And I said to them, do you want the political answer or do you want the real answer? And they're like, well, what's the political answer? And I said, because it's more time for us to teach you things and more time for you to learn. And they're like, what's the real answer? And I said, because if we bring you in here and we have a partial day, we don't have to count it as a snow day. And then at some point, we don't have to make the day up. And they were like, they're like, okay, makes sense. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed at how how many times when I do that, when I treat the kid, you know, like not, not as an adult, but with respect and, and lay out the real situation for them that they're like, yeah, it makes sense. But you treat exactly. them as a human, treat them as a human. I'm going to give you the option. Was, Go ahead. I'm yeah. Sorry. And they respect that it's a real, mm-hmm. like it's a real answer that it's not like fluff. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with you. You know, when, and the different thing for me this year is, you know, I'm teaching at this charter school that's still in the Twin Cities, but it's got like the bottom, like socioeconomically, like the bottom and kids that are like way at the top. So, you know, when I taught like in Houston, there was not a lot of disparity. It was primarily kids from low income. But this is like urban environment with that disparity in in socioeconomics so it's such it's such a different field but even the kids you know but like all those kids having that different perspective they all want to be treated like with like you said with respect and you i've found that the more times you can just be straight up with a kid the better off it is and i and i and i started the year like you said telling him like my main thing is to make sure that you're a better person when you leave this year and I don't know how many times starting the year I heard kids say, well, that's not why I'm here. I'm just here to learn. And I'm sort of like, well, I mean, not exactly. But, you know, now that it's January going into February, most of them are, are on board with it. But let's, uh, can you talk a little bit? How was the, how was the transition from and Singapore to it's, Manila? It, it's been, I think, for the most part, like, it's amazing. Like, I... Um, the school itself and the school that I was previously at, there's lots of similarities. Oddly enough, it's smaller, but um, in regards to like what's being taught, um, demographics pretty much the same. It's very diverse. Like there's kids from everywhere in the class. Um, I think it's been really cool. Like it's my first time like actually living in the city, um, back home in like country, like trees. Um, dirt roads and in Singapore very like suburban um, outside of the city but now in Manila I'm like we're the school is basically in the city so I'm like living the life right now like tall buildings restaurants coffee shops (laughs) it's very very different Um, I think I'll always be like a country boy but um, it's different I'm enjoying it I think the housing part was a little bit tricky because I hate moving. I hate like packing up, 
figuring out space, having to buy furniture, like that part I don't enjoy. But everything else has been really smooth. Like the Filipino people, man, like they are, they are some amazing people. Um, they remind me a lot of like back home and family. So it's been really great. People are awesome. How's your how's your wife taking it? She doing good at? Are you at the same she school? Loves it. Yeah, same school. She's in eighth grade this year. Um, she did sixth grade in Singapore. Um, but she likes, she enjoys eighth grade. In the beginning, I think she's kind of like, yeah, I don't know, eighth grade. The kids are very different than sixth grade. Like they're on their way to um, high school, so like they don't really want to show that they like their teacher. So. They kind of like every day. It's like a mystery of like how they're feeling. Um, for me, it's the same. Like third graders are third graders. Like mm. no difference. <laughs> Goofy. Like love you to death. Um, always have interesting stories to tell you. Um, overall, it's been really great. The school's been awesome to us, so we can't. We really can't complain. We're pretty lucky out here, man. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's funny to hear you talk about that dynamic of eighth grade there <laughs> compared yeah. to the eighth grade dynamic I see here. And that yeah. they're, they're pretty much the same. Like, <laughs> like that is the, you know, I, I find it interesting when I still have eighth grade students come up to me and still show love and give a hug in the hallway or, you know, mm -hmm. go out of their way to come give you a pound or, you know, get caught sneaking in the hallway just to come say hi and don't mind letting people know because those are rare at eighth grade it's like no nah, man i'm just trying to get out of here i'm too cool for tv that's what i call them y'all too cool for tv man y'all just that's exactly how it is. <laughs> and it just depends on which day you catch them on and who they're around you know mm. they're they're, oh. they're they're very clout driven <laughs> they're oh, very totally clout driven. oh you're speaking my language i don't know how many times i've had the conversation with kids what grade are you guys again? I'm eight. Eight. And I'm okay. six. Okay. And I'm six. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But but with my eighth grade, I bet ten times I've had the conversation with kids about how I don't understand why when I see you individually and no one's around, you're the <laughs> nicest kid I've ever met and you talk to me and then you get around more than one person and you're totally different. And you have to, you know, and those kids who do that usually do it by trying to make me look stupid or trying to show that they don't need to listen to the teacher. And I just like, it's so bizarre. It really is. It really is. Like, I don't see her kids as much, but I hear like stories and, <laughs> and it's just like, it, it's crazy because you have, you can have these days where they're like pouring their heart out to you. And then there's days where they won't even talk to you. And it's like, what? Like, and then you're trying to like, you try not to like really think about it too much because you know, they're just kind of going through a phase of figuring stuff out. But like, if that's every single day, every like different students every day, that could be, that's a lot, man. <laughs> you know, I told, I told everybody at my campus, I said, you know, I'm, I'm really considering going down and teaching third grade. <laughs> because when I ask my kids, you know, why are you so, why do you have such a disdain for learning and for growth right now? And it all stems back to like around second or third grade. And so for me, I almost want to go down and teach elementary and get the experience of, like you said, where the kids want to love you. They want to please their mm -hmm. teachers. The, they're excited about the learning. And I'm trying to mimic that now 
but you get that resistance because it's like, man, I'm, 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 I'm big kid. You know, I don't, that, that don't move me like that, you know? And it's, I mean, it's, it's a, um, I say some of the teachers, some of the students, you know, I go in my class and I start rapping, I'll start freestyling in my classroom. And, you know, some of the kids are like, oh my God, my teacher raps. And then some of the kids are like, that didn't impress me. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> Someone, well, if you can rap, why are you not trying to win a Grammy? I'm like, dude, because I'm teaching school, you know? I, no, you know yeah. Are you a SoundCloud rapper? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you got to love yeah. them, man. They, they, they're all, and it's just so great to hear that all the way across the world that, that kids are kids. Mm-hmm. So that that solidifies what we are doing with even with the podcast and talking with people from everywhere because we all have a shared experience. Great. We all have a shared Great. experience and we can glean from those experiences from each other, man, and make each other better. And because again, our kids are going to be connect, connected. They're connected now. They're going to be connected mm-hmm. in the future. You know, just like we're here connected through this Zoom link, our kids, when they get older, they're going to be connected. You know, probably through having a, a 3D holograph in a room with someone from the Philippines and yeah. talking with them, you know, so. Yeah, yeah like on like on back, uh, it must have been the second Back to the Future where they like hologrammed <laughs> in, into someone's living room. It's going to uh, happen. It's, it's yeah. Gonna it's, happen. Yeah, I was just watching this, the, the Las Vegas, uh, here in uh, the United States, the Las Vegas Technology Conference. Um, they're having AIs that's desired that, that that literally live in your home that you, you can talk to, build a relationship with, they can help you do your taxes. And oh it's just blowing my mind. Like, yeah. The thing that freaks me out is how lifelike they can actually make them now. Oh, they're a real person. Like if you look at the picture, like they're 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 in a screen, but when you walk in the room, they greet you, they learn your schedule. If you have a, they, the goal is to have a smart home. Your home will have a name. It'll start your coffee for you. It'll, do, man, it, it's it's a little scary, bro. A little scary. It is scary. Be, be, be just like Jarvis and Iron Man. <laughs> Wake up. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. I have had kids oh. ask me if that's how the world ends. Is that the AI takes over? I'm telling you, man. Hey guys, just a quick question. Have you subscribed to this podcast yet? If you haven't, it means the world to us that you would stick by us on this journey of becoming the teachers that our kids deserve. And also, if you want to learn more about the work that we do, how we can help you grow your craft and sharpen your skills and build your confidence and become that teacher that you've always wanted to be, a teacher who lives in their own authenticity and is doing the best they can for kids, then check out the ledproject.com or patreon.com backslash value adds value. So those are the places you can find us as well as subscribing to this podcast to continue to grow as an I hope I won't be around to see that. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the crazy thing. As educators, we have to prepare our students today for that type of future. Yeah. And how to, I mean, the thing that blows my mind about the world that our kids live in, and I tell them this, good morning. I did. It's in the thing. I made a whole, the over the line. 
Sorry. I didn't make Come coffee. On, you gotta you gotta make the coffee, bro. I make the coffee. <laughs> I did. God dang it. I'm sorry. That's my bad. I'm in trouble. My days, my days, my days shot downhill. It's shot. My day is gone. Oh. oh god, what was I talking about? The sun hasn't even come up yet here. I know. Your day shot. I know. I'm in so much That's trouble. Not a good start. God, what was I saying? That's not a good start, dude. <laughs> All right. Yeah, great. Super. She's got a K-cup. She can make a K-cup. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But I did I did throw the coffee grounds away because usually in the morning I forget to throw the coffee grounds away and I get in trouble for that. But um so yeah, we were talking about AI and all that and blah blah blah. We'll just move on because I got us like <laughs> So, um, we, um, we talked uh, a little bit to you through the Twitter tweeters because you were, you were off the gram for quite a while. So what was it? What was your time like off the gram? Um, it was, it was actually amazing. Um, I am, I had this, I, I think it was like a few days ago. I thought. I thought about going off again. Um, I don't miss it. Like, I, I think the idea of, um, when I was first on, like, and I was pretty consistent, I was posting, like, a lot, like, almost every day, like, three times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, once I stopped, like, it gave me this, like, just relief of the pressure of posting things. Um, I... I originally thought like people were expecting it, like I almost like owed it to them. But then when I stopped, it just felt like I actually, I could do more. Like I was reading more, um, spending more time with like family and just like other things that I enjoyed doing. Uh, so now it's kind of like I'm at this point where I don't feel the pressure to post at all, um, and I think I'm just kind of doing it just like most other people are like not as much as like there's I would say there are educational Instagram I don't know what they what the actual phrase is but there's people that are posting every single day and I think I was in that category in the beginning um but I don't I don't think I am anymore like I'm slowly slowly getting rid of Instagram I think slowly very very slowly um, and I have I'm sorry I wouldn't say get away, but like not posting as much. And I found I was telling Kyle this that I've I've not really been on Twitter. My district pushes Twitter a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like all of our district administrators and uh, superintendents are all on Twitter, and they encourage teachers to open up their classrooms on Twitter. And I really hadn't been doing it up until a couple of weeks ago, and I like consistently. You know, I would post from Instagram to everything, but I would very rarely go to Twitter. But I have to mm-hmm. say, I actually enjoy the learning community in Twitter mm-hmm. because Instagram is like missing that sense of, I believe, where like as like you do, where you post a question mm-hmm. and you can respond to the question, but mm-hmm. responding to the question is fun. But what I like to do is go see how other people mm-hmm. are thinking, which mm-hmm. drives me to other people's pages which grows my personal learning community. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I do that a lot more than on Instagram. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And I think that's one of the reasons why I stopped because I was getting like such a, I had built such a like cool community on Twitter where I was almost like, I don't know if I need like that fix anymore from like Instagram. Like it wasn't really, I wasn't feeling it anymore. So Twitter, I was just like asking questions, engaging, and I felt like the conversations just a little bit more not i want to say a little bit more real they were way more real like the pd on on twitter is just oh, yeah. 10, 10 times better than what you'll get on instagram um there are people on instagram i think that are sharing really good content but i think twitter is definitely a place where like educators are really trying to share the work that they're doing where to find like different types of lessons, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I agree. I totally agree with you. Do you, do you think it's a point where Instagram is just, and I know, and I know you, I'm assuming you still follow Gary V. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's been saying now that like kind of Instagram reached the point of saturation where it's just like mm. overwhelming with how much, and you know, I, our, our value adds value Instagram only follows like 1,500 people, but like it's almost impossible to see everything everything that's on there. You'd have to be on there all day to be like seeing. And, you know, just kind of for us, so, and, and for other teachers, you know, like we're, we're trying to build a podcast that's making a difference and we're trying to create professional developments for teachers that are making a difference. So, I mean, do you think there's still a place for Instagram in, in that brand building or do you think being that we're trying to focus on the teacher space, do you think we should be primarily just going on Twitter? Cause like you said, putting together an Instagram, like, with a curated picture and that stuff is significantly more time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, you totally especially agree. for the stuff, especially for the stuff like that you were doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? I agree. And I think it all depends on what your purpose is, right? And if it is to reach, if it is to reach as many people as possible, then all of the research that I've done is you should just have to be on as many platforms. And whether that is posting once a day on each platform, a couple times a day on each platform, or somehow scheduling to post on those platforms um, is important. And then I think what you guys also do, which is extremely important, is just like if someone comments on anything, like you have to respond, like you have to like what they're saying or share with them like your thoughts because I think the engagement part is more than anything. Like if you have do you have two people engaging with you, like you should probably still show them love. Like mm-hmm. well and I notice a lot of the, the time. a lot of the stuff you do on Twitter, you're getting like fifty to a hundred comments on everything that you're doing. And I do and I, I was just going to make a joke about how I do love that you give me a chance to think about whether I'd rather rather have peanut butter cups or Kit Kats, whether (laughs) I'd rather have ice cream or chocolate or broccoli or carrots or whatever it was. I do so enjoy those posts as well. And and honestly, that's one of the reasons why I like Twitter so much because 
you like for me there's stuff that i write and share that it's like relatively serious or experience that i went through and it's could be like really good or it could make me feel a certain way but it also allows me to show like my like fun side and, and i think it really separates um just the social media idea like everything has to be so serious or it has to be so like tough or hard um so a lot of it's I'm happy you said that because a lot of people have mentioned like they enjoy just like random questions. Um, and I do, oddly enough, have those thoughts. It's like, yeah, like, hmm, Reese's? Or do I want a, do I want three <laughs> bears or Sour Patch Kids? <laughs> and I honestly, I'll just be like, let me just see what people think. And oddly enough, I think, and I, I think part of it, it allows people to get a break from the like being in the weeds and like just like going hard every day it's like this is something fun i can engage in and give them a break from it so um it's fun it is it is fun people are human right people need like they need that laughter they need that like sense of like light um feelings throughout the day everything again doesn't have to be so so serious so i appreciate that mhm mhm it makes a difference and it does and and just kind of how how has that you know you talked a little bit about how you've kind of built that online pd community but especially on twitter you know how has that made a difference for you like how has that added to your craft being in having curated that online community um i think like honestly it's been it's been like a game changer like i think a lot of people that i follow or a lot of people that i have contact with um, that i can like consider friends now like i can send them a message and say hey can you look at this curriculum plan can you look at this lesson plan like i have this situation at school like can you like what do you think about this how do i frame these questions and they genuinely take the time to send articles or help you dissect the situation um, so it goes back to like the reflection piece, like it allows me to reflect more. Um, and it truly keeps me, I guess, kind of up to date on some of the things that I feel like I need to do as an educator, um, in my classroom and things that I think that, um, my kids kind of need in the classroom as well. Um, the PD is this great. It's, I tell people all the time, like some of the best PD I get is on Twitter. It really is. It really, really is. It allows you to do what we call and I call um, do PD on your own terms. Because I can go mm-hmm. follow. You know, depending on what I what I'm needing at that moment, I may go mm-hmm. check out Principal Cafele and 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 listen to some of his videos on that he's dropped on Twitter. Some of the things that he's posting on Twitter, because I know mm-hmm. it's going to be focused in a certain area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. And, Go ahead. I was going to say, I've been, you know, like you had, I think you had her on, well, well, Britt Hawthorne and, and Tiffany Jewell, like to try to work mm-hmm. on equity and, and stuff like that. But I love what you said, Wilkie, there that the thing with Twitter, you know, you can find anything on Twitter, you know, for any reason. I didn't, I didn't mean to jump in there, Wilkie. I'd... No, you could. So go for it. Continue. No, you're good. We're good. That was, that, was my, that was my point. I said my point. Yeah. So, I mean, but that's, you know, we're working on this this little PDF of four reasons why you should use podcasts as professional development. 
and and that's the main point you know the same the point is is the same for you know like twitter is one of the problems we all face is relevance like we have all these pds but they're not necessarily relevant to what we're doing but if you're on twitter or you're on a podcast you can find things that are so so niche and they're exactly what you're looking for and it it puts you back in a spot where you don't feel like you're alone you feel, I know that, and this is Wilkie and I've talked about this a ton. My biggest problem in school is I, I silo myself. Like when I get frustrated and I get, and I get where worn down rather than bringing people in, I try to, I try to just internalize it and just think that I can fight through it on my own. But when you have a community like, like Twitter to be able to do that, I think it's really powerful. And I think honestly, like if you, and maybe this is just me, maybe I'm a little naive, but people are pretty nice. Like teachers are teachers are pretty like there's a lot of nice, kind teachers out there. Like there are. And they and they genuinely care. So if you ask like if you do reach out to them and you do ask them questions, whether that's private message or just in an open feed, like people usually answer. Like if you're coming from a good place and usually People can tell through a message or characters or whatever. Like people will respond and give you some feedback if you're asking for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also can be scary. I get that part too. So a lot, of, a lot of people do think that Twitter's scary, social media's scary, and I get it because I've seen it. I've seen people well, be attacked for asking a question the wrong way or saying something the wrong way, or and it just it, it's makes you feel bad but it's so like to your point it's so strange the way like i mean in america we're coming up on a presidential election again and with Mm -hmm. everything that happened in our last presidential election when it came to social media you know and just to your point of twitter being scary twitter's the only one that's you know stood up and said we're not gonna allow paid political ads Mm You know, and and I'm not saying that's that's right or wrong, nor do I think it, you know, anything on the political scale. But like, I'm starting to feel more comfortable on Twitter. I mean, and granted, like we are not at a point where we're big enough or saying anything right now that's controversial enough that we're getting like negative feedback from people that say we're horrible human beings. Agreed. But, <laughs> but agreed. You know, you can, man, I was like, it's just so crazy to me that I think I had a point, but then I just kind of got overwhelmed by the fact of like, if you scroll through like Twitter on anything that's political, like you could take any political post, what either side in America, and you look at the Twitter comments and it's just rage on both sides. I agree. I totally agree. But when it comes to education, though, it's it's so hard for me when I see those negative comments because we shouldn't, shouldn't we all just be like, hey, we're on the same team. Can't we all I just do. get along? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist that one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you for checking out part one of this two-part 
uh, series with Gary Gray Jr., our guy. I mean, to say that we love this dude uh, like a brother, like family is an understatement. So we hope you enjoyed this first part, uh, and we really hope you'll check back in later on this week or maybe possibly next week. We're not sure if we're going to space them out that far. But uh, to hear Gary talk about how he creates uh, an inclusive classroom library and uh, you know a few other things so um if you don't mind share this episode if you dug it if you want to find gary gray jr on instagram um and twitter you can find him at gary r gray jr you can find us at value as value and at its.will.law.iii and if you want to support this podcast help us continue to reach and grow and help teachers become what they're students deserve, we would be honored if you would support us. You can either go to anchor.fn backslash value adds value and there's a little link right there at the uh, in the middle of the page where you can support the podcast or you can find us on classy.org backslash value adds value and you can support us there too. So we hope you tune back in next week. Check out this episode and if you need anything else from us, go check out the ledproject.com. Before we get started on this episode, everybody, we want to take a chance to talk to you about a platform and a company that we believe in, and that's Nearpod. Now, we've had a relationship with Nearpod for over a year now, and it is by far the best educational platform we've ever used. What Nearpod is, is a presentation and engagement tool that you can use with your students. The things we love about it is you can create lessons that can either be paced by you, the teacher, or you can create lessons that allow your students to work at their own pace. And it's interactive. And one thing they've just added that makes it so much easier is it can integrate with Google Slides and Focac. So if you want to try Nearpod for free, go to this website, go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value that's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value to try nearpod for free